0: This is the Tom Baker Show.
1: Welcome back to the Tom Baker Show. It is great to be back in the comfy chair for another week of motorsports conversation here. And we've got a busy show. We've got a lot to the warm up session because obviously a lot of uh, activity in the big series NASCAR F1 and IndyCar all in action, and all three of NASCAR's series were in action. So we're going to have uh, quite a bit to talk about in our warm up session here in a moment. We've also, we're going to deviate a little bit from the norm on this show. We're going to do two hot topics this week. There were two topics that I really thought were interesting enough to have some conversation about. So we're going to do two hot topics on this program, and we've also got a feature interview with a young driver who's trying to make the transition from baseball to motorsports, Christian Rose going to be our feature interview on this show. And Christian, a driver making the transition, as I said, from baseball to racing, he is competing currently full-time in the Arca series uh, with uh, AM racing. Now, Christian, again, a strong prospect coming out of college, but decided that he wanted to go racing. And again, not being a product of a lot of uh, wealth, shall we say, he's had to go out and he's had to build the business. And he's doing a great job of it. We wanted to give him the opportunity to have the uh, the time. And, and so you could hear from him. It's a short interview we did with him after the uh, Charlotte race. But uh, we will have a longer piece with Christian on an upcoming show. So lots to come here. Let's start with this week's warm-up. We'll start in the NASCAR world. Lots to talk about there. The trucks were one of two divisions in action in St. Louis at Gateway Worldwide Technologies Raceway, I believe it is. Uh, and boy, the the truck series never fails to disappoint, does it? And it surely didn't this time. Grant Enfinger picked up the victory. Now Grant kind of took advantage of a late race crash when Ty Majeski lost control and got into Zane Smith. And that was really a tough ending for both drivers because I think those two were the two that were going to fight it out for the whim. And both have not had seasons that either one of them would be wishing they had had to this point. Ty and Zane, both championship caliber racers with championship caliber teams. Zane's already in the playoffs, but that front row motorsports team, much like Ty's team for Thor's sport, has just, it's been a roller coaster of ups and downs this year. And th- this race obviously didn't end uh, any better as both of them, in contention to win, end up out in a crash. And uh, Christian Eckes ends up finishing second. Stuart Friesen finishes third. Carson Josevar was fourth and Chase Purdy fifth. Good runs for all those drivers, Purdy. Um good to see him up in the top five hosts of our we're gonna hear from a little bit later on, or not hear from, but talk about more a little bit later on in one of our hot topics. But again, Grant Mfinger getting the win. Now other notes here, Jesse Love. Gotta give a shout out to Jesse. He has won the last three straight Archimonard series races this year, driving for Venturini Motorsports. He was competing in his first truck race for Tricon. Now, he was supposed to be in the one truck, which is the rotator truck, but they promoted him, if you will. Um, I don't know if it's a promotion or not. They're both in the same team, but they they uh, put him in the 11 truck at the last minute to replace Corey Heim. Corey got sick and was unable to compete, which was a tough break for Haim. Um, but Jesse got in the 11 truck. Tony Breidinger then was tapped to race in the one. Now, love had sort of an anonymous first uh, three quarters of the race. You know, he, he, he took his time. He was learning. You didn't really hear a lot from him. He was consistent, but they got him to the top five late in the race. And it looked like he was going to finish there just maybe for a moment. It even looked like he might take a shot at the win, but ended up finishing ninth. Still a great run for your first time in the truck series. He's got two more starts this year in the one truck And I would expect that Toyota will uh, afford him a full-time opportunity in the truck series in 2024. Good run for Jesse. Uh, Also of note, Jake Garcia, Daniel Dye, and Colby Howard, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Good runs for all three of those young drivers who, again, have all had sort of roller coaster type seasons. Um, great runs there. Trucks back in action at Nashville in a couple of weeks on June the 23rd, which is a Friday night. Moving to the Xfinity Series, the Pacific Office Automation 147 was run in Portland. And I love that road course. That road course, again, just the perfect layout for great NASCAR racing. Last year, it poured back buckets on the show this year not so much perfectly dry nice day and lots of tempers it was it there were dust ups throughout the race between a number of different drivers the aggression was really high in this one action packed all the way through Uh, at, at the end of it all cole custer ends up getting his first win of 2023 remember cole was um i hate calling it a demotion but what what else can you call it when you when you go from Cup back to Xfinity? Um, Cole back to the Xfinity Series this year for Stuart Haas Racing. And I believe that move has ultimately helped Cole, but it's also, I believe, helped Riley Herbst, who got the teammate with the experience that Cole's had in the Xfinity Series and the success to help him with the little things he needs to do to get better. Riley definitely has improved this year. And... You know, now Cole gets his win. Justin Allgaier second. So a great couple of weeks for Justin. Sam Mayer finishes third. And I know that Sam, before this year's out, I know he's going to get a win. Josh Berry fourth and Austin Hill finishes in fifth. Uh, Other notes, Myatt Snyder finishes sixth in the Joe Gibbs Racing 19 car. He's another one that could steal one. He's got a couple of starts, I think, still coming in that car. Could steal a win before the year's out. And connor Mozak, a nice run for Sam Hunt racing in the twenty four car they've had speed all year long. just haven't been able to put the whole race together to get the results that that I know either side uh, was looking for when they got together, but Connor getting more and more experience at the Xfinity level, and he's improving with every time out finishes eighth here plenty more starts over the summer in a combination of different series so Uh, We're going to be talking about Charlotte-based Connor Mozak much more on this program, I think, as we go forward. Uh, But a good good race for the Xfinity cars there at Sonoma this coming weekend with the Cup Series. The trucks are off, as I mentioned. We go to now the Cup Series, the Enjoy Illinois 300. Again, the third overtime race of the three. All three of these races went into overtime. I love it. Uh, Cup was at Gateway, of course, and the winner, Kyle Bush, his third win in 15 starts for RCR, and Kyle got it. I mean, there were about five late race <laughs> restarts in this one. I didn't think it was ever going to end. They had a two-hour uh, delay for lightning early in the race, and boy, it. I didn't think this one was ever going to get over, but it was a great finish. Kyle ended up getting the win, Denny Hamlin second, Joey Logano third, Kyle Larson fourth, and Martin Truex had, again, one of the, I keep using the phrase roller coaster. up and down, up and down. Um, He was a comer and a goer and a comer and a goer and finally became uh, a comer again and got to fifth. But it was a crazy race for him. Ross Jastain, who entered as the series points leader in this race, 22nd. So, boy, the last couple of weeks ever since, you know, Ross kind of got dressed down for, you know, a series of, uh, incidents, shall we say? uh I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I, I can't figure out if it's because, you know, the car just hasn't been there or if Ross is just a little gun shy now. And that little bit of difference has, has put him back further in the field, but, Uh, Certainly a disappointing run for Chastain, but I I know he'll be back up front before it's over. Now, Corey LaJoy, who subbed for Chase Elliott, and the number nine Hendrick Motorsport Chevrolet finished 21st. We're going to have more conversation about Corey and also about Kyle Busch. They are the subject of our two hot topics later on. IndyCar goes to Detroit. Alex Pelot wins for the second time in the last three races. His sixth overall win in the circuit over Will Power, Felix Rosenquist, Scott Dixon and Alex Rossi. But this one kind of deceptive because now look, Perot led, uh, sorry, Polo led 74 of 100 laps. But, you know, it wasn't as though this was a snoozer behind the who was challenged for much of the race by Will Power, by the way. And will actually led a few laps in the middle. This was a really fun race to watch because the level of aggression that these drivers used in this race, it was like everybody was on tilt almost from the start of the event. And again, we saw some just hair raising moves, you you know, passing between teammates and, and all of that, especially toward the end. I mean, it was a really, this is not a course that I usually look forward to the IndyCar series running, but let me tell you, It was really a fun race to watch. Now, I'll throw another note in here. Marcus Armstrong, who's a rookie this year in IndyCar, finished eighth. He had a nice drive. And I think Marcus is a driver to watch, without a doubt, as we move forward through the season. The more experience he gets, I think the better he's going to get. And he's got the equipment to win. Uh, Their next race will be in two weeks at Road America, which should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that one. F1. F1. The Spanish Grand Prix. Well, Red Bull has still won every race this year. And Max Verstappen's won most of those. Verstappen keeps their unbeaten streak going with an easy 24-second win. I mean, this is not even close. Uh, You know, Hamilton and Russell second and third, followed by Sergio Perez, uh, who is, of course, Max's Red Bull teammate, and Carlos Sainz for Ferrari in the top five but this one was a runaway. Again, I mean, it is incredible right now the advantage that Red Bull has over everybody else in the entire series. They have got the hot car, and that makes it a whole lot easier when you're a talented racer like Max to go win when you know you have the car underneath you. We could argue that Hamilton and Russell, the Mercedes, second and third, that's encouraging, but you're, you're 24 seconds back of the leader. Pierre Gasly was penalized two, two grid place penalties after qualifying three grid places for blocking max and three grid places for blocking signs. So that drops Pierre Gasly to 10th for the start of the race. And that's exactly where he finished. So, you know, that's pretty much, uh, I don't know if there's a correlation there, but boy, that was a costly qualifying session for Pierre Gasly Um, two different three grid plays penalties. Yuki Tsunoda also dropped to 12th by officials after the race for uh, giving him a penalty for forcing Joe Ganyu off the uh, track while they were racing for ninth. So that was a costly deal because it cost Tsunoda a couple of points. He would have finished at least 10th. Um, The next race for F1, they go to Canada A for the Pirelli Grand Prix on June 17th and 18th. Now, F1 in Canada is always a huge event. It's one of their, uh, I think, most well-attended events in terms of fans. And boy, the Canadians absolutely love it. And it should be a good race if you discount the Red Bulls. I'm just not seeing anybody who can compete with Red Bull on speed right now. Those cars have such an advantage. It would be almost unthinkable to imagine an entire year of Red Bull winning every race. But right now, I could see that happening. I truly could. Um, it's, it's just amazing. But uh, nonetheless, it's great to see some of the younger drivers having some good runs. And it was nice to see, uh, for example, last week at, at uh, Monaco, Fernando Alonso having a, a good run. You know, it, it, the, the teams are, are getting, some of the teams are getting better, but man, Red Bull is just so far ahead right now. And, you know, you can say what you will. You can love that or you can hate it, but that's just the way it is in F1 right now. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they get to Canada. But uh, that is always a huge event. And that is going to put a wrap on our warm-up session Let's get into our first hot topic of the day. Our first hot topic of the week talks about Kyle Bush and Richard Childress. On the anniversary of the day that Richard Childress said, hold my watch, and went after and got involved in an altercation with Kyle Bush, the pair wins a race together. Now, this could only happen in NASCAR WWE and it seems like the two are in some ways inextricably linked in terms of the way the fans react and the, the way things happen. Now, I saw a headline on NASCAR's website for a video, which I did not watch, that says Richard Childress compares his relationship with Bush to the one he had with Earnhardt. Now, I don't know the details of that, but I thought that that headline was interesting enough to be a hot topic, and here's why. Now, I've said for 20 years that Kyle Busch is the most polarizing NASCAR driver since Dale Earnhardt Sr. Whether you love him or you don't love him, when you're watching the race, you're keeping an eye on him your eyes go to him. You want to know where he is on the track. You want to know what's going on with him. And the fan reaction is very much the same. Now I'm not comparing the two as individuals. They obviously came from very different backgrounds. Kyle Busch coming from the West coast, Dale Earnhardt, a purebred Southern boy, right? Um, you know, Dale wins a race on Sunday, feeds the chickens on Monday. He's he, he kind of had that Marlboro man uh, persona going on. He's got the mustache, the cowboy hat, the glasses. Kyle Bush coming from the West Coast, a very different persona, right? Um, almost sort of the poor loser. You know, I don't know what else you'd want to call him, but but Kyle, again, two very different people. But let's just look at the scenario for RCR for a moment. There is little doubt that Bush is the best driver that Childress has had since Earnhardt, not to disrespect Kevin Harvick. Harvick was a very young green racer with no cup experience who was thrust into a situation that was not built for him. Right. Right. When, when Dale had the crash at Daytona, when we lost Dale, and Richard made the decision to keep going, here's your prospect, Kevin Harvick, who was doing a great job in the Bush series that you call up to the Cup Series to replace an icon. Now, Kevin's young. He's inexperienced. The the crew of the cup car was not the crew Kevin was used to working with. They were used to working with Dale, who is a completely different personality. Kevin was young, fiery, quick tempered, um, you know, and and eventually he expressed his desire to not work with Dale's flying aces crew because they weren't his guys. You know, he wanted to. He he was was linked to the Bush team, right? So when you couple that with expectations that obviously would be far beyond where his experience or skill set were at that time, you know Kevin really did a great job in terms of driving the car and winning races and being a contender, and you know came so close. But you know it was a really a, an impossible situation. It, it wouldn't have mattered who got into that car. If you're following Dale Earnhardt, you know, you better be everything Dale was. So I think in some ways, you know, Kevin, I mean, I think he did, he, he, he did a lot of things right. And he did, you know, a lot of things wrong over his career. Right. But, um, and, and so the working relationship didn't necessarily end well. If you put, current day Kevin Harvick in that situation, you might get an entirely different result. Okay. But um, it just was, that's why I don't want to disrespect Kevin Harvick here because I don't think it's fair to say that um, Kevin then and Kyle today are, are, I mean, it's, it's an entirely different situation. Austin Dillon is a capable racer. He's a good cup racer. But he has not shown, at least so far, that he has the elite skills to race for wins every week. He's reliable. He's steady. He's good for a points playoff run. Um, but he just hasn't risen, in my opinion. And I know, in the opinion of a lot of others, too, quite that elite status, right? He's still working on that. Drivers like Jeb Burton, Ryan Newman, Um, and Clint Boyer were among NASCAR's best ever, but their accomplishments with RCR just fell short. You know, again, um, there was a period where, you know, RCR obviously peaked with Dale and then had some good years with Kevin and got wins with other drivers and have gotten wins out of Austin Dillon. Um, but the overall, I think at the end of the gen six period, RCR, although I think they'd sort of trended up. When the Gen 7 came in, they were still lagging behind some of the other elite teams. I believe the Gen 7 car created a renaissance at RCR and for many teams who just didn't have quite the wealth that the Hendricks, the Gibbs and the Penske's have to keep up with the uh, engineering necessary to win in modern day NASCAR. Right. That's my take on that the spec nature of this new car equalized the competition to the point where RCR could have a fighting chance again. And Tyler Reddick showed that the number eight team could be championship material. Tyler, in in my opinion, was the first driver to show that RCR could compete on a more even keel with the best of in the sport. And he really did a great job. But of course, Tyler was a bit of a lame duck coming into the season, right? Because he had already announced he was leaving. He was trying to find greener pastures. And he thinks he found, he thought he had found him over at 2311 for, for, for the 2024 season. So Tyler would have been a lame duck driver this year. Now, enter Kyle Busch, a two-time champion who knows race cars inside now. And who still has years left in his prime as long as his health holds up. Now, I predicted at the beginning of the season that Kyle would win at least three times and he would win the championship with RCR this year. I he hit the third win with this this win in St. Louis. Now, Bush needed a reset after thing because look, let's be real. Things with JGR went basically sunk to the bottom last year. And RCR, as I mentioned, had lost Reddick. Basically to lame duck status because he was going to another team in 2024. This was the right time, in my opinion. Timing is everything. This was the right time for both owner and driver to come together. Each needed the other and both of them, both of them needed a spark. Chemistry is everything. If Kyle Bush goes to drive for Richard Childress five or 10 years ago, I don't think this works out well. But Kyle Bush at this point in his career had matured enough to understand that sometimes it's you and you have to change and you have to, you can still be intense. Kyle's biggest flaw is that, and this is a direct quote from him. I hate losing more than I love winning. That's a really tough mental attitude to sort of balance when you're trying to be at peak performance all the time. Because you're going to lose far more than you win. Even this year, which I would argue has started off to be a phenomenal year for Kyle Bush, He's won three out of 15. That's 20% for those of you who are keeping stats. Okay. So if you look at it that way, it's not been very impressive. But of course, we all understand that that's pretty darn good. You know, it's, it's unthinkable. To, to believe you're going to win 10 or 12 or 15 races every year, though that's always the goal. But Bush, I think, is at a point in his life. And I also think, too, that when Austin Dillon made the call to Kyle Bush, that had to be, even if Kyle won't use this word, a little bit humbling. And I think Kyle even said to Austin, do you think he'd really want me? I mean, obviously they'd had a bit of a checkered past, but this was a relationship born out of mutual need. Richard Childress needed a driver who not who could not just put the eight in victory lane a time or two a year, but he really needed somebody that could come in and provide a spark and take his organization back to the top of the sport where it was when Dale Earnhardt was driving for him. Had RCR come out in 2023 with Redick in the seat, they may have won several races and they might even have pushed for a championship because Richard Childress would have demanded that they work well together, despite the way things went down with the announcement. I think they'd already moved past that, you know, within a short time last year, because they won a couple of races after that happened. But then the team would have had to have found another driver to put in the car for 2024. And that driver likely would not have had the combination of raw skills, experience, championships, drive, and knowledge of race cars. And this is key. Kyle Busch knows race cars inside and out. And likely the driver they chose for 24 wouldn't have had that package that Kyle Busch has. So, timing, as I said, is everything. And as far as I'm concerned, Kyle Busch not only brings his own package and championship prospects with the team, in other words, gives them a chance to win championships with him as a driver. But I think the other intangible that Kyle Busch brings is he brings a much brighter long-term future to the Childress organization. He elevates that team's status just by being a part of it. He makes the team more marketable. Sponsors are coming to the team because of Kyle Bush. He certainly can have a positive effect on Austin Dillon, and I'm sure that was in Austin's mind when he called him. I mean, I don't know what they would have done. I think the relationship with Reddick, though they all were going to be gentlemen about it and agree to make the best of it, I think the relationship with Reddick was certainly in some sort of lesser status. Now, if he was in the eight, again, still could have won races, still could have raced for a championship. Everybody would have been big boys about it. But you could just tell that there was definitely, at least in Richard Childress's mind, or in Austin Dillon's mind, and maybe both, there was a desire to see who else is out there. At this point, Richard Childress Racing now has to be considered to be back among the very elite in the sport instead of one notch below, which is where they were when Kyle Busch walked through the door. That relationship is going to change the course of NASCAR history, I believe, because I believe that there is a chance that Kyle Busch could win a number of championships. But I think more than that, he's going to impact the team in ways that will help it as an overall entity. You can see the success of the Xfinity series. Although the drivers have haven't won. Sheldon Creed is, is going to win his share of races. That's going to happen. Austin Hills had a great year. Richard Childress racing is back. And in terms of the, the caliber of racer and, and the package that Kyle Busch brings, I could see why Richard Childress would compare that even if they're not hunting and fishing together. I could see why Richard would compare that to his relationship with Dale Earnhardt. Kyle Busch is the best driver Richard Childress racing has had and the timing is perfect. And that team, I believe is the championship team of 2023. And I think there could be several championships on the horizon, for Kyle Busch and Richard Childress. And that is this week's first Hot Topic. Hot Topic number two. How do we evaluate Corey LaJoy's performance in the number nine car this past weekend? As many of you know, Corey LaJoy got his first shot in the big time NASCAR Cup Series ride when he filled him for the suspended Chase Elliott for Hendrick Motorsports in the nine car on Sunday in St. Louis. Now he finished 21st. What do we make of that? The interesting thing is I thought I would see more conversation on social media about this, but I don't. And I don't know how to interpret that. I don't know if I should interpret that as anything, but usually when you have these situations, people on social media are talking about it in one way or another. Twitter, today from what I can see, doesn't seem to be that excited about it at all. It, it, it's, they, it seems like, you know, nobody really paid much mind to it. It's, it's just an interesting scenario. And, and you, you, you kind of think about how Corey wrote the letter uh, a while back to Hendrick asking, you know for uh an opportunity and you know now he gets it so I mean can we can we draw any real conclusions? Well let's look at a couple things. First off Carson Hosevar who had never raced a cup car before got the call to replace Corey in the seven car this weekend And honestly, I think he was performing about as well as I've seen Corey perform all year before he became the first of several victims of exploding brake rotors. When the brake rotor failed, he obviously hit the wall and was out. Josh Berry, who hadn't raced Cup before, filled in for both Chase Elliott earlier this year and Alex Bowman and was by and large, more competitive than Corey was. And this race was on a short track where you would have perhaps thought that Corey might have been more comfortable and, you know, maybe had a better opportunity to perform well. So what do, what do we make of this? Because this was a big opportunity for Corey. Should we have expected better? And I'm torn on this one. I think the answer is yes, but I also understand somebody that would say no. I understand reasons for both. First of all, let's just look at big picture. Cup racing is the biggest stage in stock car racing, period. And it is a huge step up from either Trucks or Xfinity, in terms of the level and the depth of competition, there is just no question of that, right? Well, Corey's been in cup racing a while and he's been running for Spire. And, you know, there have been certainly, uh, signs of improvement at Spire this year. The seven car has definitely run better. Corey's doing a better job. Um, it seems like the team is elevated a little bit. Now, you know, the team car, Ty Dillon is not running well at all for the most part. He had a pretty good run going. He had a pretty good run the other day, but I mean, Ty has not had the kind of season that, you know, you would write home to mother about, right? Um, But for the most part, I feel like the seven car has taken a leap this year. Now, when you look at the two drivers I mentioned, you look at Host of R and you look at Barry, I would argue that right now, Josh Barry probably is a more sort of complete racer or seasoned racer than LaJoy is at this point, because Barry's run years more of late models and he spent time, obviously in Xfinity and, you know, around Junior Motorsports and Hendrick, of course. So I would suggest he's probably better with his input overall. Remember that Josh, when he's not racing cars, he's working on them. So, and I don't know how much time Corey spends, probably a fair amount, I would guess. Spire's a small team, but I don't know how hands-on Corey is there. And I'm not saying Corey is not good at working on cars and is not good at, at understanding cars, but I think Josh Berry is just more experienced. I think he's farther along in his career arc than Corey LaJoy is. Um, so I'm not sure if we should be comparing those two. But then there's Hosevar. And Hosevar is a bare bones rookie in cup. Now, Hosevar has obviously, it took him forever to win a race in trucks but he certainly has been a winner in terms of his performance. He's been competitive in trucks for wins forever. And probably there have been a number of races he could have won. And some of them he's made mistakes that have taken him out of it. Right. But um, then he's been running Xfinity this year, doing extremely well in the Xfinity series. So, he comes into cup with no experience whatsoever, gets into the same car that Corey's been driving all year, and I would argue competed on a fairly even level with the kind of performance we normally see out of Corey. You can't blame his crash on him because it was a brake rotor that failed. So uh, that it's it's really a tough evaluation here if you're giving a report card to Corey LaJoy for his performance and you're looking at and sort of trying to compare to things that are somewhat similar um you know this one's a tough one 21st in your first cup race is extremely respectable but it's not his first cup race it's his first cup race with his with the nine team, but I mean Zane Smith stepped in at the last minute last year with Roush Fenway Racing in a car he'd never driven. Finished seventeenth. I th- this one's a bit of a tough one for me. I overall I feel like I was a little bit underwhelmed. Now Corey himself said after the race that. Feedback is something he needs to work more on. So m- maybe it's fair to say he he needs a little more time to better himself as a driver before he he gets that big time opportunity. But here's the here's the thing that I would also say in his defense: I would argue that his or any driver's best shot at getting better is to have the opportunities that somebody like Josh Berry's had. With top teams, with top personnel and top equipment that could, you know, could he could surround himself with, that would, you know, coach him and mentor him and 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 polish his skill set and elevate his game. I certainly don't think that, you know, at his age, his sort of window of opportunity, so to speak, is closing. I I as long as he's in the Cup Series and running well for Spire. I think that he's going to be on team's radar and I, and I, I am really trying not to sort of throw too much cold water on, on this one opportunity because there really wasn't a lot of time to prepare. He got the phone call Tuesday morning. So I also don't think that he was and and again, there's nobody to blame here. It's just the circumstance. I don't know that he was put in the best situation from the outset to succeed the way, you know, others have. But then when I look at Carson and I, you know, look, look at Zane and I look at Josh and, you know, you, it's it's interesting. You know, it it's it's really tough. I will say. Um, the, the performance that Carson gave in the seven car on Sunday would tell me that he's ready for cup. Should an opportunity arise. I also would suggest that maybe Ty Dillon's performance in the 77 car might need to pick up a bit between now and year end. Uh, because if I've got Carson (laughs) Hosevar waiting for an opportunity and if, if the dollars and sponsorship are equal um, when it comes to 2024, I might swap Ty for Carson. And I hate that because I've always wanted to see Ty get his shot in big time equipment for, you know, a whole season just to see what he would do. But, you know, it's um, this is a business at the end of the day, this is a business. And, and, you know, I know when I look at, drivers and evaluate drivers it's almost like you know when you're a pro football coach and it's getting to draft day you've got this big board you know full of all the college prospects and you're constantly evaluating best at each position or whatever and you know carson certainly has to be on everybody's short list at this point for 2024 and so if nothing more competitive in copper xfinity materializes for Carson. The question becomes, does he, would he even want to be in the 77 versus running another year in the truck where he could, and the answer is probably sure, right? Yeah, of course you want to be in cup, but at the same time, you know, Carson's got a shot to run for a championship in the truck series every year with, with, with the equipment he's got there. So I don't know. Um, This is a tough situation for Corey and I feel bad for him. I really do because I, and I'm almost glad that I don't see too much conversation about you know about this. And the only reason I brought it up is because I do think it's 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 interesting to look at these things and and I think it's fair game. I mean, this was his chance. And I would say 21st, and I would I will say this the difference between 17th and 21st wouldn't be that big of a deal if you hadn't already been in Cupala. So I'm not really sure, you know, what to think of this, but here's what I hope. I hope that Corey can take some things away from this opportunity that he had, that he learned some things from the team and learns some things maybe even about the cars and the setups and all that, anything that he can take back to Spire to make both himself and that team better. Because I would love to see Spire be able to elevate just that one notch farther to become a consistent, you know, top 10, top 15 team. And, and then that puts you in a situation more where sort of Ricky Stenhouse has come from in the 47, where I feel like that's a team that's been a competitive team and has been at times a team capable of winning on the super speedways and maybe on the road courses, depending on who's driving. And now I think they've got the right combination of people. And Ricky is showing us from week to week that that team is now a solid top 10 team and is capable of winning on almost any racetrack. They're they're just that one step off. So I love seeing these smaller teams be able to take those steps. Front row has certainly improved tremendously. Michael McDowell had a great run on Sunday. Todd Gelliland has been showing you most of the year that he did not deserve to be kicked out of the 38 for half dozen races for Zane. Um, You know, that's, that was just a really bad situation in my opinion for front row though. Zane certainly had a great run, his last outing in the car, but you know, again, I think these teams are showing better performances and I hope that Corey can take something back to Spire that will help him and help Spire to improve. And you know, I hope that at some point he gets um, another opportunity, and not because someone got hurt or suspended. That's just a big ask to 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 go into a team you've never worked with them. Really, you you don't know the language, the how they you know communicate to change setups or whatever. It's just, it it's a lot. And again, he didn't get the call till Tuesday afternoon. So there wasn't a whole lot of time here to get ready for this. So should he have, should we have expected better? I don't know. Maybe, but I don't, I'm not giving up on Corey LaJoy. I want to see Corey basically show us all that, you know, he, he can, he's worthy of another opportunity. And that when he gets it, I want to see him make the most of it. Right. Um, but I thought this was enough of a hot topic to have some discussion on, because I think, you know, I, I think people did hope. I think we all hoped that we would see Corey finish at least in the top 10. Right. And 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 show us that moment. And it it, it didn't quite happen for him. But it, I it does. I feel like the last stage he improved. And, you know, you got to believe if he'd had you know another couple of races in that car. He just gets better and better. so um, d- do I cross Corey off the, the top prospect list for an elite if I'm an elite team owner and looking for drivers in the at some point in the near future do I cross Corey off that list because he finished 21st at St Louis his first time in a top ser- in the top right in the series? no no I don't and that's this week's second hot topic. Let's go to our feature interview. This week's feature interview is with a driver named Christian Rose. Christian grew up on a farm in Martinsburg, West Virginia. He still has deep roots in the area. Christian discovered racing at 10 years old when he went to Daytona to watch a race and snuck into the Daytona garage area. Now, how do you do that? To meet his idols, uh, Christian was determined that at some point, racing was going to be a bigger part of his life. Well, uh, first, there was college baseball, where he was a very strong pitching prospect. But his interaction with his idols and uh, encompassing a wealth of knowledge over the years about motorsports, he decided to turn motorsports from a hobby into a professional career. And by gosh, he is racing full-time this year in the Arkham Menard Series and running for AM Racing, which is a team that I believe is going to um, be heard from more and more as they go into the future. They're really building something cool over there. And we had a chance to catch up with Christian. Now, those of you who have been uh, followers of Steering Wheel Nation for a while know that Christian was a co-host for a while on our show called the inside pass which has now been parked for a little bit but um christian is just a great interview very very intelligent young man just became a new dad this year and uh we thought you would enjoy hearing from him so we caught up to him after the race at charlotte where he finished inside the top 10 here's christian Christian Rose, the Secure Testing Services car for AM Racing. That was a spectacular run. Late race gamble to stay out on the track when everybody else was fitting. Almost paid off for you. Still a great finish, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I should have come out with a fifth. I, I know what I made a mistake down there, overdrew, but They baited me into it. But i got to thank AM and, and Wade and uh, Kevin and everybody who gives us these opportunities. My crew chief pickle to trust has to take it out there on 40-lap older tires. I mean, if we could have got clear, maybe they could've got racing. I could say woulda shoulda coulda shoulda woulda. But secure testing services coming on board and West Virginia Tourism. I mean and Ninth at Kansas, 8th uh, year, something to build on, and, and I just can't thank forward, and, and West Virginia Tourism, Secure Testing Services, all of our partners are not for giving us these opportunities.
1: I was going to talk about your last three races now. After so much bad luck in the beginning of the season, you're now kind of on a roll and really getting some consistency here and looking like a team that's going to start contending for top five here pretty soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, I think we could have had one at Kansas. We had a pit issue, but, the, you know, we, we still brought battle back to the ninth, 8th year, could have come out here for one. There's there's a lot of them we could have had, but um, to see the pace and to see the team and see what's gelling here, I, I'm very excited for the summer months when we get rolling consistently to see what we can do. So when it's kind of hard to stay at your best game and, and fight guys like Jesse who was running a late model this weekend, jumps an arca car, seat time. So when you're off three weeks, race three week or race all three weeks. So when we get into the 14, 15 in a row summer stretch, I think we'll be pretty stout.
1: Yeah, Jesse was uh, he's actually been in a car three nights in a row now, so that makes a huge difference like you said, uh, when you can do that, but you've got some great partners here this team looks like it's really going in the right direction how excited are you now to head into the summer months?
0: I'm, I'm amped up, I'm, I mean to come to the the green white checker here and you don't see a race car in your windshield to, to get that experience and learn from that i mean it, like i said the trust they have in me and and the faith this team's building and what we're building here a program it's it's very exciting so see what we can do on short track stuff now um and then get up gear up for our truck start coming up our first truck race in uh july
1: not bad for a baseball pitching prospect and race car driver you're starting to look like you might just grab a win before this is over
0: yeah not just a baseball player in a race car maybe we could be a race car driver in a race car so we'll see how it goes uh just gotta keep clicking these off and learning and and go take some notes and watch truck race tonight keep learning and we'll see where we wind up
1: all right say thanks to whoever you need to here
0: uh Steve Pearson and Sarah Pearson and, and Secure Testing Services, incredible for them. They got 20 people here. Uh, very thankful for them. They're going to be on the truck as well. West Virginia Tourism, the support they've given us for two years to have these opportunities—it's is just unbelievable to represent our state that way. And um, all my friends, family, my mom, and then I've got my grandfather, a World War II vet, that rode on the car with us today. So really cool to honor him this weekend. Just and thank you, man. Thank you for the outlet to be able to come out here and speak about it. Okay, how can fans follow you, Christian? Uh, check us out, Christian Rose Racing on Facebook. Check AM Racing out on all their social, Christian Rose Racing on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, and check our website out. We're selling gear now. So, growing a fan base and the, we, we love our fans. Without them, we can't do this. So, what's the website? Uh, ChristianRoseRacing.com.
1: There you go. That's Christian Rose. Great job. Top 10 finish here at
0: Charlotte. Yep. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
1: I hope you enjoyed that interview with Christian again. We'll have a longer piece with him on a future Tom Baker show. And that will wrap things up for this week. Until next week, for more great content, just visit steeringwheelnation.com. And you can also subscribe to our digital community there. Uh, 29 95 for one year includes four quarterly issues of our print and digital magazine, each issue a storybook full of some really awesome stories from around the racing world and exclusive content as well until next week. I'm Tom Baker. Have a great weekend, everyone. God bless. So long.
0: You've been listening to the Tom Baker show.